0: Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, episode 489. This is the weekly podcast about slow flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice. And I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms, and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal, and local supply of flowers and foliage. This podcast is brought to you by SlowFlowers.com, the free online directory to more than 800 florists, shops, and studios who design with local, seasonal, and sustainable flowers, and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. And thank you to our lead sponsor for 2021, Farm Girl Flowers. FarmGrow Flowers delivers iconic burlap wrap bouquets and lush, abundant arrangements to customers across the U.S., supporting more than 20 U.S. flower farms by purchasing more than $9 million of U.S. grown fresh and seasonal flowers and foliage annually, and by providing competitive salaries and benefits to 240 team members based in Watsonville, California, and Miami, Florida. Discover more at farmgrowflowers.com. For each podcast episode this year, we will also thank three of our major sponsors. Our first thanks goes to Rooted Farmers. Rooted Farmers works exclusively with local growers to put the highest quality specialty cut flowers in floral customers' hands. When you partner with Rooted Farmers, you are investing in your community and you can expect a commitment to excellence in return. Learn more at rootedfarmers.com. Well, I have a fabulous and informative conversation for you today, and I'm delighted to share the story of Fawn Ruckert. Fawn owns Seago Lily Flower Farm based in Utah's Salt Lake Valley. I first met Fawn in person in September of 2019 when I was in Salt Lake City for the annual Garden Comm Conference. I skipped out one day and rented a car to drive about 30 minutes south of the city to join a gathering of Utah flower growers. Laura Petard of Pop and Blossoms hosted the lovely luncheon and tour of her beautiful cut flower fields. And you'll want to go back and listen to episode 418 that we recorded prior to that event. There I met Fawn Ruckert of Sego Lily Flower Farm. I, I actually mentioned in the interview that it was 2018, but uh, my years are off. We met in the fall of 2019. I learned about Fawn's Urban Microfarm, and her focus on retail sales of her flowers through a CSA subscription and farmers market outlets. Vaughn has been on my wish list to interview ever since. She is the vice president of the burgeoning Utah Cut Flower Farm Association, and you'll hear an update about that amazing collection of Intermountain West flower growers. As it turns out, at the same gathering in September of 2019, I met Heather Griffiths of Wasatch Blooms, a colleague of fawns through the Utah Cut Flower Farm Association. And I shared a link to that interview with Heather, which was episode 428, airing November of 2019, uh, along with the interview with Slow Flowers member Allie Harrison of Florage, Utah. You'll want to hear that too. It'll really put Utah on the map and adding to that conversation is my conversation today with Fawn. Lots is going on in this part of the country, an area that Fawn points out is only recently embracing local flower agriculture and sustainable design. She shares a lovely about essay on her website for Sego Lily Flower Farm, which talks about her childhood wonder of the plant world and her gardening family roots. She picks up the narrative after moving from Southern California to Utah with her young family, writing this, "'We were finally able to purchase our first home, "'a duplex on a tiny, unfinished lot. "'As we dove headfirst into landscaping, "'my childhood dreams were coming true. "'I finally had my own bit of earth to tend and plant only it wasn't enough. I needed more. So in 2013, we moved to a smaller home on a larger lot. Now with four sons in tow, we began designing and building my dream potager, complete with a cutting garden. It didn't take long to realize that it would be a lot more fun to share the bounty of our garden than keep it to ourselves. And we established Sago Lily Flower Farm in 2017. We focus on growing cut flower varieties that are unique, that wouldn't survive the rigors of shipping are most beautiful when grown locally and we grow them in a way that is safe for our family and yours. Sago Lily Flower Farm is situated on one-third acre, a suburban lot in Salt Lake Valley. Fawn focuses on sustainable growing practices, feeding the soil with organic material, and she avoids the excessive use of herbicides and pesticides. I'm excited for you to hear the rest of the story, including how Fawn is branching out into education and workshops. You'll find photos of this talented farmer florist and links to her social places in our show notes at deborahprincing.com for episode 489. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, and I'm delighted today to welcome Fawn Ruckert of Sago Lily Flower Farm. And she's based in Salt Lake Valley, Utah. Hi, Fawn. Hello. How are you? I'm great. Happy New Year. It's so nice to do this together. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, I've been saying Fawn. I want you on the podcast for maybe a year. So come on, Deborah, get it together and make it happen. I'm I'm glad we did this. Uh, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the podcast is I I was so curious about what you're doing. We met briefly when I was in Salt Lake in September of 2000, I guess 18, and so we've sort of you know corresponded. And you were part of this one of the recent uh, writing workshops that I did, so it kind of brought us back together. So give everyone yeah, nice. a, yeah give everyone a snapshot of your floral enterprise, uh, Sago Lily.
1: Okay, well, we're entering our fifth year of flower farming. Um, I sell predominantly retail, so I sell at farmer's markets. I have two just in my hometown that I go to, and then I also have a bouquet subscription. Um, and then this last year, I've really leaned into the whole workshop, um, creating courses and and opportunities for people to get outside and...
0: and um, Flower a little bit, flower flower as a verb. You mean? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I love that. I love that. Um, So when you say retail, did you intentionally from the beginning think I want to go direct to consumer? Because I know there's just so many different models available to people.
1: There really are, and I think it takes a little time to figure out what you really want to do. I um, I grew up in Southern California near some really great farmers' markets, and when I moved here. Um, as a young married person, I started seeking out farmer's markets cause I, I loved them and there were no flowers at the farmer's markets here. And it didn't dawn on me until, you know, 10 years later that that could be me. Mm. I could be the one taking, um, you know, flowers to the farmer's market. Mm-hmm. So initially I thought maybe I'd do weddings because I have such a small, um, A small plot of land to grow on and I thought that would be the the most um profitable Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but I've really loved doing farmer's markets Mm -hmm. and so for now that's where we're at Mm.
0: so you're entering your fifth season or your sixth season we're entering our fifth wow that's a lot that's like zero to 60 very quickly considering you uh had to build up demand for your flowers um Remind us how big, or did you say how big your land is or your, your micro farm? I don't think I
1: did. Um, at this point, this next year, I'll have just under maybe a fifth of an acre, or maybe it's a quarter of an acre. Well, is, it where, there. is it where you live? So I have a third of an acre that my house sits on, and I I grow on the back third of it. And then I have a neighbor that has a double lot. And this last year, she let me grow on that. And so we're wow. developing the... This the next half of it. So I I started with half of that. That doubled our production, and then this year we're doubling again. Uh, that's your so, like your
0: your annex farm.
1: Yes, we call it the sister site <laughs> um, because it's
0: two sisters that live there that let us grow there. Oh, how cute. So it's just that's it's stuck, you know. So how does that work? Because I know you have um, a, a lot of young kids. Uh, not a lot, but I mean it depends they're they're a, they outnumber you and your husband <laughs> right yeah. are they very resentful that um their backyard has been taken over by their mother
1: <laughs> well they still have a trampoline I have four boys so there's room for a dog and room for a trampoline and for the most part they're mostly happy with it <laughs> it's when they have to work on the farm that they're a
0: right. little more resentful, right but. but a trampoline isn't like a soccer ball. a trampoline can't hurt flowers like that's been my my childhood. My kids were like the soccer kickers, and that that can wreak havoc on a garden,
1: right, right. We actually had to fence out our dog because he's a hundred pound yellow Labrador and he <laughs> is a bull in a china shop, so <laughs> we have a fence around the grass, so if the kids wanted to kick a ball, there's <laughs>
0: Well, there's protection
1: yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah somewhat <laughs> well what what did you start well i wanted to just start by asking you about your business name it sago lily is not normally known as a cut flower so to tell us the meaning of that it's just really because you know four
1: or five years ago when i was getting started
0: local flowers
1: was at least here in utah it didn't have a lot of meaning behind it. If I said slow flowers or local flowers, people kind of, I had someone ask me if I was a grain farmer because I said I, I was a flower farmer oh. and they <laughs> thought flour like bread baking. And I <laughs> just thought, oh my gosh, what am I getting into? <laughs>
0: people don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> right, right. You're an early, early adopter.
1: <laughs> yeah, there just wasn't a lot of people doing it yet. And so I wanted something, sago lilies are the utah state flower
0: mm-hmm.
1: so it kind, kind of so I says wanted. place then that's what i was hoping yeah mm-hmm. but every year someone asks me if i have bulbs or seeds or cut flowers of sago lilies and i have to explain that i don't cultivate them for but cut flowers
0: isn't sago lily also in addition to being the state flower also a um a native flower yes yeah so I should post, and I'll share with you the coloring sheet we have of Utah with the sago lily illustration on it that uh, Jenny Diaz created for American Flowers Week. Yeah, that would be so cool. Um, see, if we did that in Washington State, it would be rhododendron, which is not native, and <laughs> you know it is a good That's cut. It's a mouthful. Yeah, it is a good cut, but um, very few. Only when it's in buds, So. Doesn't doesn't translate either. But I love the name. And you're right. You know, um, it's just been a gradual ramp up of people in Utah becoming interested in local flowers. And it, it pretty much, I feel like it is centered where you are in kind of the metropolis around Salt Lake, right?
1: Yeah, there's not a ton right in our valley, but to the valleys north and south of us that have a little more land than our big city does. There's a lot. It's just been amazing, the growth. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Okay, so let's put a pin in that. I want us to come back and talk to you about the community in uh, in, the, in the state, because uh, it feels like there's some really, really good models there. But what possessed you in the first place to become a flower farmer. I mean, you have, you have a backstory I'm sure that you can share with people. Yeah. I've
1: just always loved gardening. Mm -hmm. When I was 10, I bought myself with my birthday money, a little carnation plant with a little plastic peach pot. You know, it was the eighties and (laughs) peach was all the rage. I love it. And Yeah. And I love the idea that it was a carnation. I could cut it too. And it was a plant and I, I promptly killed it as a 10 year old.
0: Yeah. This was in Southern um, California.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes. Wow. So I've always loved growing things. And so as a gardener for, you know, I don't, I don't know. Your whole life practically. Yeah. Yeah. My, my grandmother's garden, my mom gardened, you know,
0: you write a real, you have a really nice story about your grandmother's influence, your plural, mini grandmother's influence uh, on you as a young girl. So, yeah, it's probably just was second nature. You didn't really think I'm a gardener. You just did it.
1: Right, right. And none of them, they were all very, um, hobby. you know, no one grew all their own food or anything. It was just kind of, they were dabblers, mm-hmm. I guess, yeah. maybe. Um so I think all of them would look at what I'm doing and kind of shake their head like you're
0: you're crazy a little bit. This but. is what we inspired. <laughs> right. So yeah. then you 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 came to you moved to Utah, you you became aware of the, the the absence of flowers at the farmers market. And then you said, you know, that was maybe many years before you realized you could be that person. Um, how did I, you get started and what was the first thing you did?
1: Well, we had moved in 2013 to our current home and I had four boys and I was thinking about how to feed them more than anything else. And I really wanted to have kind of a a French inspired kitchen garden Mm -hmm. with flowers. And so I was just going to have a few like cut flowers along the borders and, um, the more I got into researching cut flowers, the more I saw that this is a, mo- a moment. You know, things are happening here, and I got introduced to your podcast, and I started listening to it. And I remember listening to—I want to I wanna say her name is um, Sarah Nixon.
0: Uh huh. From my luscious, my luscious backyard.
1: Yeah, and I thought, here's someone that's doing it, it's like on the same scale that I could do. You know, I could maybe grow in some of my neighbor's backyards. I could grow in my own backyard and it became possible. Hmm. And so, um, it really feels full circle to be here.
0: Like, oh my gosh. That makes so me it's so just, happy to hear. I love that story.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, am I'm, I'm grateful to you for providing the inspiration because I, I love what I do and it's really worked well for our family
0: and our climate and where we're at. And and I so suppose now good. that you're rubbing elbows with all the fellow food growers at the farmer's market, you just barter for that food rather than trying to grow it yourself, right? Yes, <laughs> like, that's what exactly okay? <laughs> what
1: happens. <laughs> right? Yeah, I get some great greens. I collaborate a lot with a farm called Snuck Farm down in Pleasant Grove, and um, yeah, I had delivery a delivery of greens just today. So oh, it's yeah,
0: okay, someone well, else
1: grows my food.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, that makes me want to ask you. You mentioned climate, and then you mentioned getting greens in January. So, what is the you know a a, a how does the climate support you in terms of, you know, the seasons and the the temperature ranges?
1: Um, the Intermountain West is not the easiest place to grow flowers. There's a huge learning curve. Um, coming from s- Southern California, especially, like I go visit my dad and I think, do you know all the things you could be growing right now? <laughs> <laughs> Can
0: you be my other sister farm? <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, Yeah, they don't even realize that it's like paradise there and how lucky they are. It's so true. Yeah. It's so
1: true. So it's a tough climate to grow in. We definitely have seasons. I have flowers from about April to October. Mm
0: -hmm. And what are your, like you're 100% field grown, or do you have some structures? Um, how, How do you set it up? I'm all
1: outdoors. Yeah. So I have some low tunnels that I'll protect like ranunculus or... Maybe something that's a higher value plant, but mm-hmm. for the most part,
0: it's just straight outside, mm-hmm. just like any cut gardener would grow, you know. Basically, frost to frost is mm-hmm. your window then. Um, what I know that there's, I mean, I think of the summer heat as being pretty unforgiving, but when I came and visited, um, you know, in the fall of, I guess it was September of 2018, I was pretty blown away by the variety that I saw, you know, field grown, uh, in pretty hot conditions, but it's not humid. And maybe, maybe that's why things are, you know, do okay. As long as you have irrigation.
1: Right. Right. It's a very dry heat. Um, it's not hot and humid. I think maybe we have a few, fewer pests. We don't have June bugs or, um, Japanese beetles Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so there's there's some yeah there's some good things about it but it is very hot and this last year we had no rain really you know it spit on us like twice but wow it was something
0: so what do you do what how do you have things set up are you hand watering because the area is so small or do do you do you have some irrigation no,
1: I definitely have irrigation. Mm. There's no way I could hand water. Yeah, it's big enough that that that's I need all you'd irrig- be doing. <laughs> yeah,
0: but yeah, it's
1: true. Wow. So,
0: yeah. Um, so Fawn, what are your like what are you known for? You mentioned the ranunculus, so I'm assuming that's kind of one of your first crops that that you have um, you know before Mother's Day it sounds like. Um, that's probably a big hit.
1: <laughs> yeah, people love them. We actually introduced them to the farm last year. And I don't know why I held off growing them for so long. People talked about how hard they were, I guess. Um, but I fell in love with them last spring. And last spring was our first year having a spring subscription.
0: Mm.
1: So we grow tulips and fancy daffodils and anemones. And I love perennials. And so I grow a lot of cut flower perennials.
0: Um, That's great because they do. The spring ones are just like so handy to have popping out of the ground when nothing else has emerged yet. No annuals at least. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Before all your summer annuals hit. So how does the subscription uh, work for spring? Um, people are buying for what? X number of weeks? And um, how, does, how have you got that? You have sounds like you have a spring subscription and a summer subscription. Yes. Okay. So
1: we do five weeks, um, five consecutive weeks in the spring. Um, starting kind of as soon as the flowers are ready. You know, we're at the mercy of Mother Nature. And then we wrap up um, around Mother's Day. And then in June, the first week of June, we start our summer subscription. That goes for 16 weeks. Wow, Wow! Yeah.
0: I like that. So how how is it, are you feel like you're really doing a lot of um, design planning, like from week to week, or do you just sort of, have a regular routine where, okay, every Wednesday I'm just going to harvest and make these, make these bouquets. And, and then I'd like to know how you get them into the hands of of your customers.
1: Um, yeah, we have kind of a, a good schedule set up, you know, I harvest Tuesdays or I harvest Mondays. I do the bouquets on, on Tuesdays, we get them delivered to our delivery customers on Tuesday nights. And then this year, the Wednesday is when we're going to take them all to our drop-off locations. Mm-hmm. So we've got a pretty good workflow set up. You know, that's one thing over the years that has refined
0: itself. Um, wow. So so are you, you're cutting down on that delivery by trying to have a central pickup place? Is that it? That's one of, we're, since we're doubling production again this year,
1: there's only so much time in the day.
0: <laughs> and, <laughs> and so, yeah, you have right, something has to give, this. right?
1: <laughs> yes. And so one of the things I thought, well, if we can have more pickup locations, then I can get more flowers out there without having to take them to each individual yeah, home. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, but it sounds like when you mentioned just the uh, fact that there's a lot of larger farms north in the north county north to you and and in the county south of you, it it sounds like they're still the demand is growing in your area, and so you're you're making a lot of people happy who who maybe didn't realize they could get local flowers before they found you.
1: Right. I had someone come up to me my first year at the market, and she. Um, had told me about going to the Seattle Flower Market or the um, Oh Pike's Place mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and seeing all the flowers there and thinking, man, if only something like this existed in Utah, I would totally buy myself flowers every week. She's one of my subscribers now for you know three years, and she sees me at the farmers market too. And wow, um, that's the people perfect client. Want it.
0: Yeah, yeah, people want it. It's just a matter of finding it here. Yeah. Yeah. So is there any competition between selling at the farmer's market and the CSA subscriptions? I I mean, you're not like cannibalizing, you know, your, your two different types of channels.
1: A lot of the people that have bought from me at the farmer's market turn into bouquet Mm -hmm. subscribers. Mm -hmm. And so, um, it's just, this kind of a natural progression of, you know, they just they get them once or twice
0: and they go, Oh, I've got to have this every week or every two weeks. And, That's great for you. Yeah. Especially because like, I'm assuming you spring's you're selling your subs- subscription for spring right now. Um, yes. just getting some income early has gotta be a bonus.
1: Oh, it's so nice. Yeah. Wow.
0: It helps for sure. Um, what are your late summer crops? Are you doing, um, like you'll, I'm assuming you have, d- uh, dahlias, uh, but I haven't looked that. I know you have them on your website, so I'm guessing that's a big, Mm -hmm. big hit. Yeah, we do dahlias. We do lisianthus.
1: Um, We grow like over 70 varieties of things. I'm probably too small to be growing that many. But to me, that's part of the joy of being a flower farmer. And so um, it keeps me content when things are hard to know that (laughs) I get to choose all these lovely things to be surrounded by.
0: yeah. Also, you have a designer's eye, so you're thinking beyond just the like the basic 12 options. You want that variety for your bouquets, it sounds like.
1: Right, and that's a big draw. That is something that I've had um, a lot of feedback on, that it's a unique variety, even from other farms that might just be growing those sunflower and zinnia bouquets,
0: that mm-hmm. I've got something a little unique and special mm-hmm. in each bouquet. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned that you thought you were going to potentially do weddings when you first started, uh, has, do you feel good that you're not, I mean, I feel like this was the year to give up weddings if you were going to give them up, but you never really went down that path.
1: Well, it's kind of funny because last January, last December, I had decided that I was going to add weddings to the mix for 2020. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, um, I had someone approach me with another opportunity and I thought, well, I can't do both, but this seems like such an intriguing idea and I think it'll be profitable. So I'll, I'll just wait on the wedding idea again. Mm. And so mm. it ended up being great. And that was my collaboration with Snuck Farm in this backyard cut flower garden course.
0: Okay. So let's talk about that. You, you just told me a little bit about before we started recording, uh, and, you have a, another farm that you're working with and teaching at. Is that how it's set up?
1: Yes. So we're um, it's down in in Pleasant Grove, and um, they had this kind of a blank space. They they grow hydroponic greens, oh, and so okay. they're really dialed in. They have this beautiful operation, a beautiful farm. It is.
0: Stunning! If you're
1: ever back here, you have to go okay. to farm yeah with me.
0: Put it on my travel list. I love it. Yeah, it's really beautiful.
1: And so they were kind of looking for someone or something to do with this space that would add value to what they were already doing. And um, we developed this idea of this backyard cut flower garden course. And we had 20 rows, and so we were going to have a, a participant for each row. And um, we hoped that we would just uh, get 10 people. That would be enough to do it. And we ended up selling out the course. And it was, it was such a gift during 2020 to have something that we could go to outside. You know, we never had to, we had to move it back a little bit, our starting date. Um, but it was just something safe to do, and people were so hungry for that experience to be outside and have their hands in the dirt and to be growing. Wow. And learning something new.
0: So you have it on your website backyard cut flower garden course with Snuck Farm. And so are they co-teaching with you or is it more that they're kind of your your partner host and you're developing the curriculum? Right. So they they host it and I I teach all the classes and lead the course. Okay. So first of all, I'm just so curious about this. It's a wonderful it's a wonderful idea to kind of mobilize this Student base who maybe they don't want to be cut flower farmers, but they want to learn what your knowledge. They want to know, learn your knowledge. Is that kind of your demographic of who's taking the course? Yeah, I noticed
1: early on that I had people who loved flowers but did not want to go outside. You know, like <laughs> they're not gardeners, but they love flowers and they recognize the value of them. And then I had another group of people that loved flowers and would buy from me, but also wanted to grow their own. And so I felt like I could help fill that that need to, mm. because I think people worry about creating flower farmers or if people grow their own, they won't buy from me. Right. Um, but my experience has been that they get comfortable with you. They know you, they trust you that whenever they need flowers, they're going to come to you. And so, um,
0: and it can be profitable to teach people, you know, these skills. Yeah, absolutely. So, so you said you had 21 rows and you expected 10, but you ended up having, when you sold out, did you end up having like 20 plus students?
1: We had 20 students. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. 20 rows. And yeah, so it was a big course. So we ended up splitting it in half and I teach one week, one half one week. And then the next week we we do the same curriculum mm-hmm. and it That worked out well, too, because during the summer, people go on vacations. And so if they miss the one week, they could come to the other week and not miss any of the information.
0: Plus, it would probably help with perceived social distancing, safety, and all of that. So they're actually hands-on planting their own row of cut flowers, learning with this complete in real-time process with you. Yep. We would
1: go out there, we'd look for pests, we'd plant the plants, we'd harvest, everything was completely hands-on. They learned how to net flowers, you know, so that nothing was falling over. They learned plant spacing, just anything you would learn working on a farm or growing your own cut flower garden with an, an expert, so to speak, you know, kind
0: of holding your hand the whole time. So you've really, was, this is amazing. You've really tapped into like this well, it was the year our visceral need to connect with nature, and, and it was beyond flowers. It was just that whole experience to be have your hands in the soil. It must have been wonderful for people. Yeah, the the timing was good. <laughs> Can you talk about how you charged for that? Um, are you comfortable sharing that information? Sure. I mean, it it's on
1: the website. Okay. We're going to be announcing this next 2021 season. So um, it was $1,000. Um, early bird pricing, it was 1200 if you signed af- up after a certain date. But we didn't have anyone sign up that late. Everybody got the early bird
0: pricing. Um, That's amazing. And, yeah. But they're getting instruction plus this boatload of, of cut flowers, too. Right,
1: right. They were taking home buckets. at You know, July, August, September, they would take home a bucket or two each week. And so they... They got a lot of value just in their harvest. And then, you know, if you think about how
0: many classes, I want to say it was 11 or 12 classes. I was going to ask you if it was a five-week course, but you split it. You were at least teaching for 10 or 12 weeks just to kind of... Yeah, it was a five-month course. Oh, five-month. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. So how did that work for... I mean, that's why why you can um, I mean... You're doubling your business, and now you've got this thing going. Do you hire anybody to help you? Or I don't know how help- helpful those children are. <laughs> I So I have a 14-year-old, and a,
1: he was 16 at the time. So they were more help than they did get paid, and they, they did help. And I, I hired some people to – we did two farm. You know, going into 2020, in January, before anything hit – I knew that it was going to be one of the hardest seasons of my life.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> I knew all the things. I just knew, okay, you're going to get through it. You're going to start all these things, and, but it'll be worth it on the other side. <laughs> you're such an
0: optimist. <laughs> but that was all before COVID. You said that, right? That was before COVID. And so I'm sorry, I learned nothing. <laughs> it's really bad. <laughs> But women are we like we're can do. We're like, well, we'll just figure it out. Right. And oh, I've got four Mm -hmm. kids. Oh, it's fine. We'll figure it out. I mean, if you didn't think like that, you wouldn't start anything.
1: Right. Right. And we did. We I don't remember much of August, but we got
0: through it. And that's uh, beautiful. And I'll be
1: hiring more help this year.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So um, this course, then uh, this you have the the sign up sheet or the sign up button already on uh, Sago Lily Flower Farms website. So we'll share a link. It's it's not filmed, though. It's not virtual. It's all in person, right? It is in person. Okay. Yeah, there are already
1: wonderful farmers doing virtual things. And I, I just saw the need locally for someone to to teach it in person.
0: I think that's it, you've you've just like illustrated how anybody could do this in their market if you know, with their own spin on it and their own particular uh, region and zone and and climate, it's gardening in general is so highly regionalized. I totally agree that this course is you know better because it's tailored for right where you are um, right yeah, so you're gonna cap we- it at twenty again for twenty twenty one. That's how many rows we have.
1: So we want each. I love it. That's kind of our natural boundary because we have that many rows.
0: Uh, it reminds me of. I don't know if you guys have public uh, community gardens in your area. in In the Seattle area, all the pea patches. Everybody has their like designated, you know, mini raised bed or you know, a couple clustered together, and you feel a lot of po- possessiveness about that. So I'm sure your folks really took ownership of those of those raised beds they did in fact i've got two that have told me they're coming back this this next
1: year so i'm trying to Hmm. add a few different cut flower varieties so that they have something new to
0: learn absolutely that's so great what how big are the raised beds they are 30 inches by 36 feet that's massive yeah that's like the size of beginning flower farmers in many cases especially if you're in the city right Right. Well, that's yeah. cool. So, the I'm just curious at um, Snuck Farm. What are they getting out of it? They're they're obviously co- partnering with you, maybe on the revenue side. But are they selling their produce to people when they come, or is it just more of a awareness of who they are? I think they're really great at building
1: community, mm-hmm. and so they saw it as something they could offer to their community to enrich, you know, what people want in their area, and um, I also sell uh, a share. They have snuck shares and that's their, their greens. And so we do a flower share for nine weeks during the summer.
0: Through through their CSA. Through them. Yeah. Awesome. Wow. It's amazing that um, in a year that many people were wringing their hands, worried about not having a place for their flowers to go, this set this set setup that you came up with was tailored to how people want to You know, how people could be, how they could be outdoors in a space, socially distanced, and um, how they could have flowers come to them if they didn't feel comfortable (laughs) going to the farmer's market. Right. Right. Yeah. Wow. So the other thing I want to ask you about before we wrap up is um the Utah uh, Cut Flower Farm Association. We've had a couple um of the of your colleagues, your peers um on the podcast in the past and I will I think I'll pull up that old that previous interview and share it in our show notes so people can learn a little bit more. But how are things going with that? Um that group is what only 2 years old, right? Mhm.
1: Yeah, we're we're just about 2 years years old we started in february of 2019 um we have 112 members now that's amazing it really amaze yes it amazes me um <laughs> considering and, how lonely it was when you first started right? right i could find three other farmers through like social media and like internet stalking um when i started and there were more out there that i just was couldn't find
0: but um Not very many more, Mm -hmm. but under 10 probably. Yeah, but having over 100 is amazing.
1: Right. And a lot of them are backyard um, cut flower gardeners or people that are intrigued with it. We also have a florist um, membership so that we can help facilitate
0: growers
1: and florists finding each other. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's like a mini slow flowers, but just in like a particular, well, in one state, but also kind of your major markets too, right? Right. And I kind of wish we had named it the Intermountain
1: West Mm. um, Cutflower Association just because we do have people in Nevada and Idaho and Colorado and Arizona that have joined because our climates are similar enough. We have um, markets that are similar enough that that we can really kind of draw strength from each other and share what we know.
0: Well, I'm glad you mentioned that. So listeners who aren't in Utah, but are in, you know, the Intermountain West can maybe find a home, you know, joining in. Um, that's very similar to the Pacific Northwest Cut Flower Growers uh, group That is doesn't probably doesn't have as much um, website presence that you, that you do, but they have a website. But they're, they've started with a Facebook group, and there are people from Northern California. There are people from British Columbia. It's not just, you know, the, the traditional definition of Oregon and Washington. So... If the growing environment is similar, there's so much you can learn from each other. Right, right. So, so you're an officer of that, right? Yeah, I'm the vice president right Ascending now. Ascending <laughs> to president sometime soon. I don't know. <laughs> That's right, a little overwhelming to think about. Don't have any ambitions. Uh, what are your main activities? I mean, other than I know that you're all connected through technology. Do you have like a meet, uh, meetings or trainings and that sort of thing?
1: Yeah, we do. So COVID kind of put a damper on a lot of our plans. We try to have, um, we really wanted to have a member meeting four times a, a year. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, a lot of those got switched to virtual. Yeah. Um,
0: the thing that yeah, impressed so. me the most is you have a relationship with the, uh, the university, right? Isn't that, that seems to be kind of a, I don't know, a stamp of credibility. Yeah, it's really amazing. We have this great
1: um professor that works with us. Her name's Melanie Stock, and she um, is running all kinds of, um, what do they call like trials? trials? Yeah. Yes. And she's doing cold hardiness testing with ranunculus, nitrogen studies with dahlias, and she um, kind of pulls from the, the growers inside the association. And so we work closely with her. And, you know, coming from an area where there's not a lot of research with cut flowers to have her is a tremendous asset to any cut flower farmer but especially here where our climate is is so hard to grow
0: in yeah. and for yeah. her i can only imagine that it's like having a i don't know this pool of of willing collaborators who who you know it's a dialogue she's got ideas you've got ideas and you are all working toward the same goal which is probably just getting more flowers into the hands of more local flowers in the hands of people in in your region
1: exactly and create creating more profitability and understanding you know what it really all the inputs it really takes to create a gorgeous dahlia and and sell it so
0: Okay, so I'm going to issue this this invitation to you. I'm putting you on the spot because when we had our meetup for the um, Slow Flowers Creative Workshop, the Floral Storytelling class, you talked about knowing you wanted to do more writing this year. So I'm going to invite you if you're interested and you have the time to do a story about what what you're, you know, is happening with the Utah Cut Flower Growers Association and the, um, the professor. And, you know, maybe we can publish it on the Slow Flowers, um, on Slow Flowers Journal and just, you know, get the word out. So uh, that'd be great. All right. In your spare time. But I mean, honestly, I'm thinking to myself, you have no spare time. So it's a dumb request, <laughs> but uh, I work well with deadlines, though.
1: So sometimes I just need an invitation and a tell me when you want it. And yes. I'll,
0: yes. I'll work on it. You seem so uh, capable of managing everything that's on your plate. I'm not. I have no doubt that that's what happens when you ask a busy woman to do one more thing. She just fits it in somewhere. So <laughs> that's great. Well, I was going to end the podcast by asking you what you're excited about for 2021, but I think we have kind of covered the fact that you've got this amazing sort of new channel of education. That's it. it can who knows where it can go? I mean, it could. This is one model, but I think you'll. If these return students want more, that's going to drive you to create more content and, and more education, right? Right. We've already got some one-off workshops kind of designed with them in
1: mind. We're going to have one in February about planning. So it'll be a small group workshop where we can socially distance again. But we're going to hopefully that the idea is at the end of the workshop, they walk away with plans, with
0: seed list, with plant lists for everything they'd need for their individual space. Wow. So So maybe for someone who doesn't want to invest on the full five months, this is going to give them kind of a crash course in just getting started in their own backyard.
1: Right, right. Or sometimes I think, you know, some of the people that took it last year, they really enjoyed it, but it was all kind of planned out. They just kind of walked through it and they understand how to, um, How to grow and how to harvest, but wrapping around how to implement it in their own space. That's what they need a little more help with. And so, you know, they'll come with their own drawings and we'll fill out what's going to help them have a season's
0: worth of flowers in their own backyard. Wow, that is invaluable. I mean, that is worth whatever penny it is that they have to pay for that. Um, To that end... Uh, I love the fact that you have on your website. Get your free guide: nine steps to long-lasting cut flowers. People just sign up, and then they can download the the guide. Is that how it works? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It just talks about how to keep your locally grown flowers lasting as long as possible. Is it mainly your uh, your your retail customers who are downloading that then, or?
1: I think a lot of people. Anyone that has any interest in cut flowers, whether they're growing them themselves or other farmers they are curious about what I've said there.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Oh, good. Well, I will share that link too. I'm going to download it myself or sign up for it myself. uh, So I can enjoy your writing. And you you have a blog. So you are you've been writing whenever time allows uh, uh, through since you started the business.
1: Right? Yeah, I, I like the idea of kind of sharing information and you know, I, I like the idea of putting out there what I wish I could have found when I was looking for information.
0: You so. know what, that's a Yeah, I think that's really a great uh, gauge to say, well, it, I couldn't find this, I had to go learn it, sort of, by digging and, and, and also maybe from multiple sources. So it's nice to s- sort of now put your own voice to that. And, and, you know, everything you're teaching is straight from your own experience. It sounds like Yep, that's cool. Wow. Well, this has been so much fun, Fawn. I just, I'm glad we had oh, a little bit of time together, a little bit more than a half an hour. Um, And I thank you for the invitation. I've got to get back to Utah. I've got some ideas, so I will message you about those, but I don't know. It's like, we're, we're pent up. As soon as we all get the vaccine, we're going to be, traveling like crazy i think so and i'm i think you're right (laughs) not too far away from you i'm i'm a very short affordable flight on alaska airlines by the way i had to cancel so many flights in 2020 i've got like a huge credit with them so (laughs) maybe (laughs) yeah yeah, maybe in the fall (laughs) sounds good all right thanks so much and we'll have photos um fawn's gonna send photos of her flowers and her farm her mini farm and um maybe even a couple of photos of the class that would be really fun for people to see at in the show notes at deborah for today's episode and um i wish you a very abundant and peaceful and profitable 2021 uh, i wish that for everyone but i do wish that for you fun thank you so much this thank was, you for having me on that was fun it was great information thanks a lot thank you much for joining fawn and me as we recorded our inspiring conversation check out links to sago lily flower farms already sold out spring 2021 backyard cut flower garden course offered in collaboration with snuck farm and if you live in any of the intermountain states nevada idaho colorado and wyoming check out the utah cut flower farm association as fawn mentioned there are people and resources for the entire region Our next sponsor, thanks, goes to Syndicate Sales, an American manufacturer of vases and accessories for the professional florist. Look for the American flag icon to find Syndicate's USA made products and join the Syndicate Stars loyalty program at syndicatesales.com. I want to direct you to a few cool video resources that we posted for Slow Flowers members this past week as well. First, you can find the concluding post in our eight part weekly series. About all the insights and themes from our 2021 Slow Flowers member survey, it's uh, it is posted at slowflowersjournal.com, and I'll share the link in today's show notes. Karen Thornton and Nisha Blancas joined me for a lively recap question and answer uh, conversation discussing some of the survey's findings that reveal much, much more about you, our members. We also shared many of the comments and questions that members wrote in response to two open-ended questions. What are the key ways in which you have found value in the Slow Flowers member benefits? And do you have any other comments, questions, or concerns you'd like to share with Slow Flowers? We recorded our Zoom conversation on January 14th And you'll want to watch. Karen and Nisha added so much to that session, but truly, Ed and Rami, Nisha's two cats, are the stars of the show. Since Nisha pointed out that she looks for images of your flowers with your pets while curating the Slow Flower Society Instagram feed, this will come as no surprise that cats featured in our conversation. Last week, I also invited you to join our free webinar about botanical couture fashions for the upcoming American Flowers Week 2021 campaign. It is a fabulous session, and I've posted the link to our replay video in today's show notes for you to hear from more than 10 past botanical couture creators, each of whom shared how they conceptualized their unique, iconic look for past American Flowers Week collections. And that's a great segue to thank our final sponsor of the week, Johnny's Selected Seeds, because Hilary Alger and Joy Longfellow of Johnny's have collaborated with Slow Flowers and American Flowers Week for three years running to produce a botanical couture floral fashion. Thank you so much, Johnny Seeds, an employee-owned company that provides our industry the best flower, herb, and vegetable seeds, supplied to farms large and small, and even backyard cutting gardens like mine. Find the full catalog of flower seeds and bulbs at johnnyseeds.com. Thanks so much for joining us today. The Slow Flowers podcast has been downloaded more than 680,000 times by listeners like you. Thank you for listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. As our movement gains more supporters and more passionate participants who believe in the importance of our domestic cut flower industry, the momentum is contagious. I know you feel it too. I value your support and invite you to show your thanks to support Slow Flowers' ongoing advocacy, education, and outreach activities. You can find the donate button in the column to the right at deboraprinzing.com. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of the Slow Flowers Podcast. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more Slow Flowers on the table, one vase at a time. And if you like what you hear, please consider logging on to iTunes and posting a listener review. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. The Slow Flowers podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenlin. Learn more about his work at soundbodymovement.com.